Hey, this morning we have a special treat for all of us. And uh, this morning we're going to get to hear from uh, Zach Minton and Zach and Nicole and their, ch- their children, Isaac and, uh, and Lillian, are planning a church, actually multiple churches, in Spokane, Washington. And you can read about Zach and Nicole in their worship folder, but I want to tell you some things that may not be in there. Uh, some things that I know about Zach and getting to know him the last um, about three years, almost two and a half years uh, of, of knowing Zach and when watching him, observing him, serving alongside him. One is, he's got a great sense of humor. I mean, if you've not been around him long, man, then you, you'll start laughing. He's got endless energy. Uh, when we were up there this summer, I was like, dude, I'm exhausted. He's like, yeah, but I got to work on a sermon tonight. Like, I got to preach it tomorrow for the rest of my staff. And I'm like, when do you find time? He goes, man, this is, I love doing this. Uh, but he's got more energy than you and I can ever imagine. He's got a deep love for his family, for Nicole and Lillian and for Isaac, and that scene when you're around them. Matter of fact, Zach may be the pastor of the Rock Church, but they really do it as a family. Uh, Isaac goes with him and does ministry many times. Um, man, he loves his Lord more than anything or anybody on this earth. He has a deep love for Jesus. He is totally committed, not just to the Rock Church, but seeing lost people in Spokane come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And so um, I think you're going to hear this out as we share this morning, we dialogue back and forth. You're going to hear all of those things this morning. And uh, so I want to ask that you, Win Baptist Church, will give him a great welcome this morning. Would you welcome Zachary Minton? <clears throat> Now, I know this is not the first time you've got to do this, right? Yeah. Okay. So, here we go. we got 13 questions. We're going to see how he does. You're on the hot seat. You ready? Yeah. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not the best with tests, but... With tests, yeah. Well, this isn't a test. All right. Now, you're originally from this area, right? Yeah. You grew up here. Tell us about growing up in this area. Um, well, we... We moved to Wynn whenever I was 13. Um, and my dad, he started pastoring at Harris Chapel. Um, and then my mom, she's, she wanted me to make sure that everybody knows who she is. She's just right there. Miss Shirley, raise um, your hand. Yes. Woo-hoo! But um, we, um, I went to school at Wynn for a couple years, worked at um, Wynn Outdoor Motorsports, right? Woo! <laughs> um, that then we moved to um, Cross County and moved to Cherry Valley. My dad pastored there, and then graduated from there. Met my wife there, um, and I did graduate. Uh, I did. <laughs> yeah, you graduated from yeah. there too. That's cool. Well, tell me, how did how did you go from graduating at Cross County into ministry? Well, I, I remember in Cherry Valley. Um, I can't remember what my dad preached. Um, I didn't listen all the time. But, um, but I remember walking across the parking lot. Um, I can take you to a specific parking space when I was walking across the parking lot that I felt like God wanted me to, um, to do ministry and to preach, specifically preach. And for me, that was, that was kind of weird because... Um, Whenever I was in Wynn, I had speech class twice, and I failed. 
Um, twice or just once? Twice. Like, but the first time, <laughs> it wasn't my fault. It was first period. That was, <laughs> that was totally on them. But, um, they should have known better. Yeah, the second time was my bad is after lunch. <laughs> yeah. um, but I did, um, I did pass finally. But just thinking about, about public speaking and, and what mm-hmm. that looks like, yeah. it, was, it, was just, it was just scary for me. Um, and then, man, God used Nicole, um, my wife, to really impact me. And she told me, she said, Zach, um, we serve the God of Abraham and Isaac. And if he never left them, then, then he won't leave you. That's right. And um, so God used Nicole in that way. Well, how did you end up in Spokane, Washington? Because you were pastoring <laughs> yeah. here in Harrisburg. And next thing we know... You're headed to Spokane. How does a how does a boy from the Delta end up in Spokane, Washington? Um, it's definitely not for the lack of love of sweet tea. Um, <laughs> yeah, they they missing out up there. Yeah, they they are. Um, but man, I I just remember um, I was pastor in Harrisburg. I, I pastored in Harrisburg um, for about seven years, and then the Arkansas Baptist State Convention and. Larry Bailey from Central Baptist mm-hmm. called and said, hey, we, would, we know that y'all are doing stuff missionally, um, but we would like to have y'all come up and see how you can partner um, with church plants in the Northwest. So we talked to our elders at the church, and they were like, okay. Um, so we went up there to Spokane. First, we went to Seattle. I saw Seattle, um, saw that. And I knew whenever you could get a haircut at 3 in the morning, that place wasn't for me. Um, <laughs> it's like everybody was on meth, you know. It's, it's, um, but, but then um, we saw that and just the brokenness in, in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And then went to Spokane. And Stephen Ward, he had started um, Pinnacle Church there. And then I just saw Spokane and, and seen all that which with North American Mission Board, they have 32 focused cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Spokane is not one of those. So a lot of people weren't going to Spokane. And whenever I heard that the metro population, um, including the metro population, and only less, th- less than 4% attends church in Spokane. Um, and just to put that in perspective, less than 4% attend an evangelical church in Iraq. And just to think about that as a place um, where, where people don't know Jesus, and in a room of 100 people, only four would claim um, that they go to church um, and have a relationship with Jesus. So that meant over 650,000 people claim no relationship with Jesus. So, man, God just broke my heart, and then I came back, and um, my dad, he was about to die, and then um, I was showing my mom all these pamphlets, you know, whenever you go everywhere, they they give you pamphlets, like they have to sell everything to you, you know, Um, but I remember her asking, well, when are you moving up there, and I was like, I'm not moving up there, we're just going to partner as as a church, financially, the mission trips, Mm -hmm. but then, um, man, just that kept stirring on my heart, and I told Nicole, um, which we were well established, mm-hmm. you know. Um, our right. church was booming. Um, we we saw a lot of different baptisms. Took our church on several international mission trips for the first time. Um, 
my wife, she managed two hospital clinics in Jonesboro. I was electrician at Arkansas State University mm -hmm. um, for almost 10 years. And then we just said, you know what? Um, this is what God wants us to do. So we asked our elders at, at um, Pleasant Hill. We said, hey, how about instead of sending money, <laughs> you could send Nicole and I and money. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, um, a lot of times you hear about people wanting to get rid of their preachers, but that wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't the case. Um, and they were like, no, no. Um, but they did. And yeah. it's, it's just very uncommon for churches to send people out then yeah. still support them. Yeah. But, especially um, their pastor. Yeah, especially their pastor. <laughs> they have some deacons or <laughs> teachers or somebody they want to send out, but <laughs> yeah. sometimes they want to keep their pastor. Right. Um, but, man, um, we just said if Jesus told us to go and make disciples yeah. of all nations, yeah. and if we see the New Testament, see the book of Acts, and what that resulted in in starting churches, yeah. we said, Let, let's do that too. Let's do that. I love it. I know the preparation to get up there is a little different than just moving from one town in the Delta to another. Tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about some of the things you guys had to do to just get ready to go. And then a little bit about the journey. Because there's something unique about y'all's journey that if you don't share it, I will. But yeah. you, you may. But tell us a little bit about where you guys were, what was going on in, in your family, uh, things you have, I mean, the things you had to work through to move up there. Yeah, so um, whenever... With the North American Mission Board, they started focusing on a couple different cities. So we did that process, went through that process. It was a year-long mm -hmm. process. Um, I remember being grilled by this North American Mission Board guy. He said, hey, we're going to get deep down in your life, and you're probably going to cry. Um, <laughs> and then, which it doesn't take much for me. And then I told him my story. Then he started crying. Um, <laughs> but... But just working through that and them saying, okay, um, we're going to send you yeah. and give you $4,500 a month. And for somebody like me, I'm like, you know, that, that's not bad. But <laughs> then they're like, we want you to start your church on that. We want all your expenses from your church on that. Then also your salary. Yeah. And, and then um, me, I wanted to make more than $2 an hour, you know. Um, <laughs> so did your wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. She did. Um, <laughs> but when we started this process, it was, it was just a lot. And then we had a house that we needed to sell. Yep. Um, and then we put this date on it. We really felt like God wanted us to go. So we put the date, the beginning of, of August in 2014. And then um, the North American Mission Board told us, well... We're going to focus on these other cities, so instead of $4,500, we are going to give you $2,500. And then we had to really sit back and say, okay, where is, where is faith? Mm -hmm. Where's the line for faith? Mm -hmm. And then where's the line for stupidity? Yeah. <laughs> Which is, is pretty close, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, they kind of bump up against each other sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, we had to really figure out, all right, is God really calling us to this does God really want us to do this because if so we can't say no yeah um and then we by the time August came Nicole she was eight months pregnant 
Okay, wait a minute. Stop right there. Did you hear that? Oh, by the way, y'all didn't get on a plane either, did you? No. How many days did you drive? Five. And my wife was eight months pregnant. And we're still married. Today is our 12th anniversary. Amen. Um, that's awesome. Today. Yeah. Yeah, they're still married. Yeah. Man, that's um, awesome. But how many of you, come on, ladies, be honest. And the Lord said, all right, pack up, leave your home, go to where I tell you, and be a blessing. And oh, by the way, you're eight months pregnant. Any of y'all ready to jump on that bandwagon? Yeah. Yeah. I, when I hear that, and I was like, oh, son. Son, but but the Lord Lord with you. Mom went with you. Yeah, she she went with us. Um, she she was great. My my son Isaac was three, and then being able to drive across the country with him. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Where was he most of the time? He was with Nicole. Yeah, and so you were driving what a U-Haul truck? Yeah, by yourself. It's a budget. It was cheaper than U-Haul. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you got you got a moving truck. You're yeah. by yourself. Mom's eight months pregnant yeah. with a mother-in-law and a three-year-old son. Yeah. Yeah, good planning, maybe. Yeah. You ever told you it's hard to sleep with one eye open? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we got to um, South Dakota, and Isaac rode with me for yeah. the rest of the way. Um, Probably a good point. Yeah, but just making that transition yeah. was, was very hard um, because whenever you move, move to a culture yeah. that's outside of the Bible Belt, we had to really... Yeah. Refine um, what we believe, and a lot didn't have to do with foundational things like Jesus. We can't we can't compromise on Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but other things that really forced you. Well, tell us about some of the adjustments you had to make once you got up there. I mean, you mentioned culturally, <clears throat> but there's um, there's a lot of things. I mean, culture is a huge, yeah. big difference between there and the Bible Belt. Um, what were some of those changes that you guys had to make? Um, to kind of, I don't want to say be more relevant, but really kind of understand the mission field that God put you guys in. Yeah. Because you didn't see God as great t-shirts at, at Walmart, did you? <laughs> no. I didn't think so. A lot of, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so tell us about some of the uh, different adjustments that you and Nicole and, and your families had to make since being there. Because like you said, you're on a mission field and it's nothing like what we're used to here, is it? No. And, and just, <clears throat> just trying to learn how people think. Yeah. Um, because a lot of people don't don't think like me, um, and that's that's a good thing on a lot, yeah. you know. Um, but on on some things like, okay, don't beat your wife, you know. Yeah. Like, um, hey, it's it's not the best thing to um, get drunk and drive, you know. Um, marijuana, you know, it might calm you down, might be good for some of us, but <laughs> really like. Marijuana was a, was a big thing. I remember having a, one of the things, we had a um, block party on, on campus at Eastern Washington University, mm -hmm. and we had, um, we had our church tent, you know, and our big barbecue mm -hmm. grill. This was our first Northwest experience, and we, we had that, and I thought, man, everybody loves free hot dogs and burgers. Who would like that? Yeah, y'all like that? Um, so I thought everybody would like that, and then we had our tent, um, and then tailgated, you know, being from, from Arkansas, um, and then locking Auburn football, right, War Eagle? Um, they did but, win yesterday. Yeah, they, they did. <laughs> um, but, but after, with football and tailgating, it goes hand in hand for yeah. us, but, but down there it didn't, mm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then to think, all right, there were, we had to pay to have the spot. Well, other vendors were right beside us. The vendor that was on this side was um, Fireball alcohol, you know, <laughs> on their on their tent it says burns like hell going down, you know? Yeah. Um, and then the on the other side it was a marijuana shop that was selling marijuana. So we're right in the middle of this. And I really thought with that marijuana shop, a lot of people would be hungry, but it didn't work out that way. <laughs> um, yeah, I would have thought, you know, hey man, this has been a great place. We could have got rid of some hot dogs. <laughs> yeah. And, and we we cooked over 300 hot dogs and burgers, and we probably gave away 20. Wow. Um, and just talking about letting the the air out of your cells, um, whenever something like that happens, it's like yeah. going back to your calling um, and saying, "All right, God's called us to do this. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it." Um, no one said it would be easy, but we're going to. Yeah. Tell us. Share with us. I mean, here, you and I can pray in public, and I mean, we may even see friends of ours praying, you know, at a restaurant or, or talking about Jesus to people and stuff. Tell us what it's like to do that up there. Yeah, so when, if, if you go and sit down, it's not always um, like, you, you don't really see people pray. Um, yeah. And then what, what I would always do is, in the South, um, just ask the waitress or waiter, you know, Hey, I'm I'm about to pray. How how can I pray for you? And whether they believe or not, they'll still throw something out there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I did that up there, um, it was it well didn't get the greatest response. And mm-hmm. um, we got responses like, "I don't want you to pray for me." Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I thought, "You're not going to stop me." Um, <laughs> but. But really, like... Stand up, put your hand on your head, just start praying out loud. Yeah. yeah. That's always a good testimony right yeah, there. Yeah, um, it's in that moment. <clears throat> yeah. I'm glad to be Baptist. <laughs> well, the Rock Church wasn't your first church plant. Right. Tell us about kind of when you got up there, from the time you got up there to where you are now, kind of bring us up to speed of what God was doing all along. Mm. So... We left to start the Edge Church, mm-hmm. and the Edge Church was on camp. It was in Cheney, Washington. Um, now, where's that to Spokane? Give us a it, picture. It's about 20 miles um, southwest of Spokane. Okay, okay. Um, and that's where Eastern Washington University is. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a red football field. It's really cool. Um, <laughs> it, it really Don't is. adjust your TV set, because it yeah, really is red. Yeah, um, but we moved there, and we wanted to start... Whenever Stephen Ward started Pinnacle Church, there were over 40 college students that were coming to, um, to Pinnacle. So we started the Edge Church in Cheney, and we had a lot of families um, from the block parties come. It, it was at 5 o'clock at night. So we would set up church inside. Um, we would set up Pinnacle Church. Mm-hmm. Um, we would start at 7 o'clock in the morning and would do all of our lots and trusses and and everything, um, and it would take an hour and a half to set up. We would have two services at Pinnacle. We would tear it back down, put it inside a trailer, drive um, to Cheney, and then we would set it up again mm-hmm. and have, have the Edge Church. Um, but then whenever the college students started coming in, um, all the families left. Mm-hmm. And so we were just, we were there with, with college students, and, and that was great. Um, because 
you have a lot of enthusiasm, but what you don't have a lot of is stewardship and giving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but but whenever we, we did that, we had a little bit of opposition. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one Christian organization that was on campus, and whenever we started um, having a church and college students were coming, they were telling their students, hey, don't go to that church. Um, and then it was, like, really disheartening um, because we started with over 100 people, and then there were times where towards the end um, we would just do all this work to set up and two people come. Mm. And then to think, um, whenever I see people that I went to seminary with, mm-hmm. and they're like, hey, I'm at this church, and it's like four or five, six hundred people. What are you doing now? And, <laughs> well, we're starting churches, and we had two. <laughs> um, and, and there's yeah. really, whether we want to say it or not, we, we have this, um, tend to have this pride yeah. about man, we want to show how many people are coming. Um, but what we did get to see is people give their life <coughs> to Jesus, you know. Um, and being on campus, we baptized um, a couple of Japanese people, yeah. um, a, a couple of people from, um, from Pakistan. But it was, it was a really neat experience there. But, so how did you go from the Edge Church to the Rock Church? Because it's not even in the same town. It's not even yeah. in the same group of people. So um, there was a, a church planning organization um, called Resonate, and mm-hmm. what they do is they start collegiate church plants. Yeah. They start churches on college campuses. Yeah. Um, man, the, this past year, they, they baptized over 400 people, yeah. and, and that's, that's in the Northwest, and it's kind of, that's really crazy. Of, um, there's, there's churches in the Bible Belt that don't baptize that many. Yeah. And so that's really, really powerful. And then um, they wanted to come to... To Cheney, yeah. um, but they wouldn't because we're there. Yeah. So a church, they um, we led the convention in baptisms. Um, so just to put it in perspective, in Arkansas, you have the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. Who who knew that? Give you? Yeah. So in, in Washington, because there's never really been a church movement in Washington, it's Washington, Oregon, Idaho. They're the little bit top of California. Yeah. Um, but we led the convention in baptisms for churches under 500 in 2014 and then in 2015. Right. Um, so <clears throat> they, um, a church, they called and they said, hey, we hear you're doing a good job, um, but we would love for you to come inside our building and to reach our community. Mm-hmm. We're, we're older mm-hmm. and we only have 12 people. Yeah. So, so just a little bit of background. Um, I love history, so it, this isn't going to be long. But um, in, the, in the 1930s, the Baptists had an agreement with the Presbyterians, um, and the Baptists kind of stayed in, in the south. But yeah. the Presbyterians, they, they went up north, and then they were planting churches, and they had an agreement like they weren't going to, the Baptists weren't going to go up there. If they, they were doing a good job, they could do that, mm-hmm. and then, then the Baptists could do the south. But in the 60s, they stopped. So the Baptists went up there in the 60s and 70s and started about 40 churches. Um, but they took people from the south and went mm-hmm. up there, built these buildings, and then sent people up there and then didn't have any training for them. Then mm-hmm. that was it. So what's yeah. happening is all the churches are dying. Um, the, the 12 Baptist churches in our region, um, six of them haven't seen any baptisms mm-hmm. in the past two years. 
So this church called and said, hey, we'd love to, for you to come in. And um, so we called Resonate and said, hey, I know this is going to be a big turnaround, but would y'all pray about taking over um, the work, the church plant that we have in Cheney, and then we could go and start the Rock Church. And um, it's at times like that that you really have to go back and see, all right, do we want to give that up? Yeah. You know, because I sure. poured my life there. That's right. Do we want to give it up? Um, but the kingdom is better. Yeah. For yeah. people working together, um, that's, that's so good. So we gave that work to them, then we started the Rock Church. Um, you, you've alluded to some of What's the difference between planting a church, especially one in, in a culture that is un, unchurched? You mm. wouldn't really say it was unchurched versus leading a church, pastoring a church in the Delta. Tell us some differences that, that you have discovered while you've been up there. Um, a, a lot is just a lot of hard work. Like, yeah. um, you tend to start, you start a church, and it's, we had my wife, um, and she was saved, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> there, was, there was wife, um, and then our kids' ministry was, were my two kids, yeah. and then um, it, it's finding all these different people, yeah. um, and so for us, whenever we started the Rock Church, what what we did, we, we just had a few people, and there was a guy that could play music really good, and <laughs> I asked him, I said, hey, have you ever thought about um, using your gifts for the Lord, and he, he was like, yeah, a little bit. I said, great, we got a worship leader. <laughs> a little um, bit, you're it. Yeah, <laughs> Tag. And, and then um, we had to find ways about how to get people. Um, so, of course, since I'm younger, um, I love this dude on the beard, like on the drums. He's got a really that red that. beard. Yeah, oh, red beard. Um, yeah, but he's cool. Whenever, whenever I, you start a church, it's like I wanted a band. You know, <laughs> is that too much to ask? Right? <laughs> yeah. Just want a band. So, what we did, we put an ad out on Craigslist. Hey, can anybody play music? Right? <laughs> um, so we asked people, um, and, and we, were go we had a jam session. We had it at an alternate location. We were still working at the Rock. But people came to have this jam session. Then we fed them food. And out of, the, out of the people that came, we picked a couple people that were really good. Like, here's a drummer. Here's the guy that plays bass. Here's this electric yeah. guitarist. Um, and, and we picked these couple of people, then we asked them, we said, hey, we're going to be starting a church. Um, and, and remember that in a room of 100 people, only four would claim that they have a re relationship right. with Jesus. So we asked them, hey, we're going to be starting a church. Would y'all want to help us and be in our band? You know, we don't know if they're Christian or not or, <laughs> or whatever. But um, everybody said no except this one guy. His, his name was Phil. <laughs> He was homeless, um, so we had pizza. And y'all were feeding him, yeah. so he was like, cha-ching, baby. But he could play drums really good, <laughs> yes. and I was like, praise the Lord for Phil. Um, <laughs> but, but then for us, we want to relationally invest in people yeah. for the purpose of loving God and loving others. And um, just our goal is to be a place where people can experience community, yeah. explore faith, yeah. and, and expand God's mission. So Phil... We started our church, and Phil was the drummer, um, not a follower of Jesus. Yeah. And I know there, there's people that have told me, well, Zach, you can't have a lost person 
on stage and, and all that. And my response is I never saw where you couldn't have a lost person playing drums, you know, <laughs> which I know it's not in there, but that's my excuse. Yeah, yeah. But because our goal is to relationally invest in people, Phil, um, he is now a follower of Jesus. That's right. Phil, um, he got baptized. Phil has two jobs. Phil has a place to stay. That's right. And it all has to do with um, just giving people a chance. Well, and tell us what your worship leader did to really, you talk about investing in people yeah. and investing in relationships. Tell us what your worship leader at the time did with Phil to invest in him. So, um, Phil, being homeless, um, he would stand on street corners and um, panhandle, and you know, you have to have conversations. Phil, he's single, um, doesn't have any kids, and you know, after he starts coming to your church, um, and then he gets baptized and stuff, and then somebody calls and says, hey, Phil's holding up a sign, says his kid's got cancer. Um, does, he, does he have a kid? And it's like, <laughs> no. Uh, so going to Phil, hey, you cannot do this, like as followers of Jesus. And he's like, okay. Um, but our, our, worship, our worship guy, Wes, he poured into Phil's life. Um, and Phil, he would ride around um, the transit. The bus system is huge there. So Wes rode around on the bus with him all day. Like That's how Phil kept warm in the winter was to ride the bus. Yeah. And Wes just went around with him, rode the bus with him. and um, Just hung out with him for a day. Yeah. Just would hang out with him on the bus from bus to bus. And, and um, man, how many of you would just ride a bus for a day? How many would you do it if you knew that what you're doing may lead to somebody to Jesus? Absolutely. And that's why it's important mm. what you guys are doing. Tell us some of the other things that you guys are doing. I know in poor, investing in people, relational uh, stuff, but tell us some other things you guys are doing, events, steps you're taking to reach your community. So we do, um, what we do, we kind of contract out our, our worship stuff, um, not to the Mormons or anything, yeah. but, <laughs> um, but, but what we do, we, um, there's organizations that, that feed the homeless, and what we do is partner with them. Um, they, they're not Christian organizations, but I think the best thing that we could do um, for our community is to do church well. Yeah, yeah. So we partner with, with people um, who feed, like every Wednesday night, there's over 300 people underneath um, the interstate mm -hmm. that they feed. And so we partner with them and relationally invest in them. Um, whenever we took Phil with us, to go and serve at Blessings Under the Bridge, and we were serving food, I'll never forget what Phil said. He said, Zach, I've never been on this side of the table. Wow, that's powerful. And Phil was handing out food. He'd and, always been on that side yeah. of the table receiving the food, and now a year later, yeah, he's, he's, on he's serving the food. Powerful. Um, then also, we just partner in schools yeah. and, and go in and, and help serve them. Um, now the schools are asking for help for yeah. us from us, and, and that, that's just really exciting in a place that, that culturally is like really lost. I don't yeah. know if you can be really lost, but you Losses, know. yeah, but I understand what you're saying. Well, y'all just celebrated your first anniversary a couple of Sundays ago. Mm -hmm. um, tell us about, I want to ask you two questions. First of all, tell us the kind of people that you guys have been attracting, and then tell us, tell us I know we've got a video mm. of, of Austin, and, I, and I've met Austin. He's a incredible guy but I, I really want you to help tell Austin, lead up Austin's story and then we're mm. going to show his story here in just a minute but tell us who's God been bringing to to the Rock Church 
So who, who God's been bringing is, is people that have never been to church before in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what we do is we um, send out a lot of pieces of mail um, and mailers, you know, the glossy stuff mm-hmm. that you usually see and throw away. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we send out a lot of that and do um, family carnivals. And how we operate our church is no one gets paid from our churches, yeah. so that's how we're able to start three churches in yeah. so few time. Um, but everything that comes in um, in our church, we get to have, like we have eight bounce houses and then mm-hmm. cotton candy machine. I thought that was really neat. Yeah. You know, everybody needs one. Everybody needs um, one. And then snow cone machine. Yeah, got so have one. We have all these, all these things and have block parties, and we'll have anywhere from 100 to three, three and a half um, people you know, yeah. 100 people, um, yeah. and they're coming. And then what we do is follow up with them. So whenever they come, they get registered, and then they get a text message that day and say, hey, let's get together. Sometime we'll buy yeah. you coffee. Yeah. And then we're just following up with people. Um, so there was a guy, um, <laughs> an, another guy, his, his name is Robert, mm-hmm. but he came and um, he became a follower of Jesus, and he was getting baptized. And the day that he showed up, and um, he had his Jack Daniels shirt on. He said, this is, but it was a button-up, so it was a little nicer, you yeah. know. Oh, um, yeah. It was black, it, too. Yeah. So it was a dress shirt. And, and he was like, is, is this shirt okay? I was like, yeah, this is, this is great. <laughs> it was you know? the best shirt he had. Yeah, and, and baptism, you know, yeah. water, and Jesus <laughs> turned water into wine, you know. So let's just <laughs> do it. You were just going to run with it, yeah. weren't you? Run with it. But, but that's just it. They don't know any different. Yeah. They, Until you they began discipling them, all they know is, man, I, I need Jesus. Yeah. What that looks like afterwards. So you didn't make him go home and get like a dress shirt or make him put a t-shirt on or anything over that? No. He, Robert was so ready to get baptized. <laughs> he had his keys yeah. on his side, still had his belt on, and he just Jeans and everything. He yep. just got in and just, man, he was, he was excited. I've seen that video, and he was excited. Tell us about this guy, Austin, because... There's something special about him. So Austin, he moved from Detroit to Spokane. He was in a gang. He was about to, um, he had, was involved in a lot of things, and then he got word that they were going to shoot up his house. So Austin moved from Detroit to Spokane to where his sister lives, and Austin's got five kids, um, and he's 24 years old, um, but he's been married to the same woman um, Mm -hmm. all that time. But... Man, Austin, he, um, he got to a point in his life that, man, they were, they were broke. Um, they just got there. So they saw this, this piece of mail that said free hot dogs and then cotton candy, mm-hmm. right? So um, Austin said, five kids, broke, <laughs> praise the Lord. Yeah. Um, so kids, eat as much as you can <laughs> and put, fill your pockets. Yeah. So he started to come the first time, but they locked <laughs> their keys in their van so they didn't get to oh, come. No. Um, but luckily, we were having another one in a couple weeks, so he came to that. And then just getting t- to talk with him, he's from Detroit, and I was like, oh, man, I was born in Four City, Detroit, Four City, you know. Y'all um, so much in common. Right. Y'all were like, boom, yeah, brothers, so, man. Yeah, so we like locked, right? <laughs> we were just, we were just friends um, from, from there, and then just getting <clears throat> more into Austin's life, um, and then just hearing some of his views, yeah. I was thinking, you're an idiot. 
<laughs> like, where do you come up with all this? And then, yeah. um, but just pouring into his life and then sitting down with him at a coffee yeah. shop yeah. Um, was, was very amazing. Yeah. You want to, you want, we got his video. Yeah. Can we show it? Hear, hear Austin's story from his own, from his own mouth. Let's watch this video. So uh, my name's Austin. I'm from a little town in, in Michigan uh, called Bay City, where my dad was a, a felon, you know, multiple felon. Uh, my mom was a partier. My sisters were seven and six years older than me. My brother, two. None of them wanted nothing to do with me. Um, so I felt isolated right off the jump. Uh, so I found myself running the streets a lot. You know, being a little kid, five, six years old, running the streets till you know, way past the street lights came out. Moved around a lot. Uh, moved, I went to 11 different schools. Uh, always the new kid. You know, as a new kid, you just got to constantly prove yourself in every school you go to. The dude who was quick to, you know, you say something, you know, about the wrong. It didn't matter if I knew you for 10 years. It didn't matter if I knew you for one day. Uh, you said something wrong, and I, I'd quick, quick to, to slap you up. And, and put you in place. Um, I lived my life knowing that every day might be my last, knowing that every time I walked out that door, there might be that, that time, you know, somebody from back when see me, you know, and, and ends my life, or I step on the wrong person's toes and think I'm a tough guy, and, and, and he ends my life. And still, you know, I've been to church a couple times, never really took it for nothing, other than, you know, these people right here just want to believe in something that, that's that forgives them for the ugly that they do so they can continue to do ugly. You know, before Christ I was I was lost and I would refuse to admit that I was lost. I would refuse to admit that something was broken and I never held myself accountable for nothing. You know, it was only somebody else's fault. My pathway to Christ uh, started in 2005. Uh, I met my wife. We were 14 years old. Through her, I found a little bit of what love could really be. Um, how somebody could love you for you. And uh, she was pretty pretty spiritual and pretty religious and uh, kind of brought me a little closer to God. Found our way from Michigan down to Texas. And in Texas, we didn't know anybody and we just had each other. And I think that just brought us a little closer. We went back to Michigan and I picked up a little, little bit of Matthew. And uh, there was one phrase in Matthew that spoke to me, spoke wonders to me. Jesus came here for mercy not for sacrifice. You, know, you, don't call a, you don't call a doctor for the well, but you call a doctor for the sick. And that was probably the first thing that really spoke to me and really wanted me to, to pursue a path to Jesus. Uh, 2015, we made our way out here to Spokane, Washington. And I, I just lost my job. I met, I went to a job fair, met with my, my supervisor, who is now my current supervisor. and, and uh, you know, God spoke through her, but I found out we got a flyer to uh, to the Rock Church. Uh, it's a block party, and they had free hot dogs. <laughs> so uh, we decided to come for the, the hot dogs. Uh, not even gonna lie. Um, and you know, with the kids bounce around in the bouncy house, we didn't think anything of it. You know, Zach told me a little bit about you know how the Rock feels and and how they go about with their mission and what their mission is and. We came on Sunday and it was probably about the third third uh, service that we had when uh, 
we actually got the, the to eat the bread, you know, the, the bread of Christ, and then drink the, the punch. Spoke about how Jesus was crucified and, and the trials that he went through, and uh, I never thought of it in that way. Like, thought you know, I am a sinner, and I deserve to pay for my sin, and, and Jesus paid exactly the price that I deserve. I remember meeting up with Zach here at the wake-up call just down the street, and you know, and I was telling him about my financial problems and, and how I was ready to go and uh, ready to go rob to make my rent pay my bills. I don't even think Zach says anything deep. He just asked me how I got to this point in my life. And I broke down. <laughs> and I bawled like a little baby. Cried. Couldn't keep myself together. I knew people see me. I knew people could hear me. But but for some reason I just had to keep talking. Like I had to, to let go of what was on my heart. You know, I was such a wicked man. And you know and come to that conclusion that I was wicked and that I needed Jesus in my life. And he didn't look at me with no judgment. He didn't look at me like, oh, look at this big old Mexican crying like a little baby girl. Uh, he ain't no tough guy. I don't care what he says. Uh, you know, he accepted me and he, he just listened to what I had to say. And it was there, right there, that I, I did realize that I need a relationship with Jesus. Since I've committed and uh, decided to follow Jesus and be, be a follower of Jesus, I've actually picked up the, the Bible and, and I'm reading the Bible for the first time in, in entirety since I, I have, I, I am dedicating my life to Jesus. I am finally picking it up. I no longer want to be a fool. Um, I, I guess I didn't want to read the Bible because I wanted to remain ignorant of what the Bible had and the truth of the teachings. And since becoming a follower of Jesus, I'm, I know that, that even though I stumble and even though I fall, um, that Jesus is here to pick me up and that he'll always be here. And knowing that just makes me want to be closer to him. It makes me want to bring other people closer to him. I've met with people and talked to my family and, and now I'm, all I do is talk about Jesus. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's, it's really neat uh, to know that I, I talk about Jesus and I'm actively, not because I'm in a church environment or not because I'm, I'm talking you know, to speak to churchy people, but because he comes up in a conversation to know that I'm not living my life for just me, for my selfish wants or my selfish gains, but to be a leader um, of my family, to be a leader of, of you know, my, my wife, and they're, they're, they're following me and they know that I'm leaving my family for the right place by being with Jesus. And, uh, no matter how hard times get, if you have Jesus, you have joy. Today I'm taking my next step in baptism. Today, um Austin, we get to baptize you, but um, Austin, you've decided to follow Jesus. Yes, sir. Um, you trust in Jesus with with your life and your family. I do. Um, so, Austin, today I get to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, let's hope the water's not freezing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yes, sir. All right. So, don't hold me in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. Probably yeah. Man, isn't that a great story? Here, this guy was about to go rob a store. Yeah. 
This guy was about to go rob a store to pay his rent. He was that desperate to pay his bills and yet had a, on his way, had mm. met you for coffee and, and ended up realizing his need for Jesus, gets saved. He's not just hanging out at the church. What's he doing now? So our, our goal is to train people to do the work of ministry and yeah. a misconception with, um, with pastors is that they're lazy um, and they want to just delegate everything away, but, but that's not the case. So yeah. if you saw um, that was in that, in that video, Austin getting baptized, well, the guy right behind him, that was Robert who had got baptized um, a couple weeks earlier, and he still had his Jack Daniels shirt on. <laughs> yeah. it, it, like, dried out, you know? Um, <laughs> but, but our goal is to train people to do the work of ministry. Yeah, so right. what, what we do is whoever got baptized before, they're helping get the yeah. um, tub and everything ready and help with the baptisms and all that. So Robert was there, then Austin got baptized, and then we get to teach um, people like, all right, here's what you do. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all yeah. nations. So Austin, he didn't know any better. Um, so he was like, okay, I'm a follower of Jesus. Now this is what I do. So he got baptized. Um, he got saved in, in February, got baptized in March. In March, he led his friend to Jesus. In April, he led his dad to Jesus. In May, he led two of his other friends to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, this is what you do. You That's lead you people That's to Jesus. Right. That's right. And now, is he leading one of y'all's small groups now? Yeah, he, Austin's actually leading one of our small groups. Yeah. And um, we just get the joys of, of seeing God call people to do the work of the ministry. Yeah. And then now Austin, um, ne I mean, <laughs> next year he's in the North American Mission Board process to go um, and start a church in Detroit. Man, are you kidding me? That is so cool. Yeah. And if you had seen his wife, I saw, got to see, and he has got five great kids, and they're yeah. everywhere. I mean, they're boys, and they're <laughs> yeah. running. You saw a couple of them up there right beside him uh, getting baptized. But, um, but the, the countenance on his wife's face is amazing. She glows. As you could tell, it's because she has a husband now who trusts the Lord, not in himself, uh, not in a gang, but in the Lord. And he leads through the Lord. He leads his mm. family. He serves. And there's a joy about Austin that transfers into his wife. And they, they're in love. Um, you can tell, man. They mm. love not only each other, but they love the Lord. They love what you guys are doing at, at The Rock and being a part of that. Tell me, tell me, um, tell me two things. Your greatest leadership lesson, and then tell me your greatest joy in, since planting the Rock Church. Yeah. Um, greatest leadership lesson that, that God's taught me. Um, man, um, who's ever said we, I trust the Lord? Has anybody ever said that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Few of y'all in here have um, <laughs> yeah, a couple, couple, but you know we we said that we trust the Lord, yeah. you know, um, and the greatest lesson that I was taught was to trust the Lord. Trust the Lord, yeah. Um, in in all the chaos and with starting the Rock Church yeah. and, and then already started the Edge, then yeah. had Pinnacle, then another church calling saying, "Hey, we want you to take over our building." And they're giving us their building and land, which is over six hundred thousand yeah. dollars in assets. Yeah. And then just having all this, and everybody looking and saying, 
man, y'all are doing a good job, and then all this stress yeah. uh, on me, and, and then um, at night, um, get into the point to where I'm grinding my teeth, and then I actually break teeth um, because I'm really strong, you know. Yeah. Um, but but because, obviously because of stress, <laughs> um, and, and just it was it was at that moment that yeah. I knew talking with one, one of my church planning coaches yeah. and letting him know, hey, I got to go to the dentist, and, and here's why, and him saying, you know, you're dumb, you need to trust the Lord, yeah. and that's a trust. We say we trust the Lord, yeah. but it's in those situations mm -hmm. that you learn. Um, yeah. Then the greatest joy is um, just my wife. Yeah. Like. Good answer. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. she may if be watching this online. on Facebook so this or anything, y'all let her know. You what said, I said that. Yeah. Uh, that's what we No, we're but doing. but really, <laughs> um, I see so many, so many wives that. Yeah, I know they love Jesus, yeah. but they they kind of have this tension in, in not following um, in, in like church planning and yeah. different things because it's tough. Yeah. And, and even even um, now, as we're having two services mm -hmm. at at the Rock Church and then at the Edge Church, since we've moved up there, yeah. um, Nicole's maybe been in three services. Yeah, um, she's doing kids ministry all mm -hmm. the time. Yeah, and, and just seeing her um, lead people to Jesus, yeah. you know, she yeah. led her friend to Jesus um, a couple days ago, and that's yeah. just so neat. Yeah, she's a, she's partnering with you in this as well. Yeah, yeah. Let, um, if someone wants to know more about um, the Rock Church and Pinnacle Church Planting Network, where can they go to find out more? Yeah, you can go to pinnaclechurchplanting.com. Okay. Um, and then you can find out all about us. And yeah. just in, man, in a couple of years, seeing 41 people baptized, you know, yeah. um, and thinking, all right, God took some Stephen Ward, a guy from Tennessee who mm -hmm. likes the Vols for some reason. Some reason, yeah. Like, ah. And then um, just somebody from Arkansas yeah. to impact so many people. Um, and to start churches yeah. and to see that. And then everybody's looking at us saying, how are you doing this? And it's like, I have no idea. <laughs> um, yeah, don't follow me, man. Yeah. Um, no, but, but really, um, yeah. man, it's, it's, it's a great thing. So y'all can keep up at PinnacleChurchPlanning.com. Um, and then you can look at stories there. Then also yeah. how an evangelistic Bible study that we've written that um, we're taking people through and yeah. teaching them how to be followers of Jesus. That's cool. That's cool. And you can hear more stories like yeah. Austin. You can hear Phil's story. Phil's story. You can hear Robert's story. Others' story uh, on, on y'all's um, website. Yeah. And, uh, and there's some great stories about how, how Jesus has made such an impact in their lives. And uh, some are funny. Some of them are, especially when Phil gets baptized. Cause <laughs> it's, it's what, February or something yeah. like that? And there's no heater. In the water. It's whatever it comes out of the faucet is what they get baptized in. And so uh, February water in Spokane isn't, it's not, it's not even tepid. It's, let me just tell you, Phil lets you know a couple times it's really cold. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's cold. It um, is cold. But, but seeing, like, in the book of Acts, you, yeah. you saw the jailer, you know, yeah. um, and, and um, Paul telling him, 
you know, believe on the Lord Jesus yes. Christ yeah. and you and your family will be saved. Yeah. It's, it's like, do we believe that if the guy gets saved, the whole family? No, because it's a personal relationship. Right. But then seeing Austin get saved and then his wife getting baptized, then his two kids, then you have Brian who got saved and baptized that my mom prayed for mm -hmm. um, in the previous services, then his wife getting saved and baptized, um, seeing Robert get baptized, and then his wife getting baptized. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing whole families come to yeah. Jesus. And that's that is so, so cool. That yeah. is so cool. Listen, how can we as a church pray for you, uh, for Nicole and the kids, for the Rock Church this next year? Man, y'all can just, just pray that God would continually allow us um, to pour into lost people, okay. that we would consider our life um, not worthy of our calling and, yeah. and just, um, man, following Jesus no matter yeah. what it takes. And also trust. Yeah. Um, the Northwest Baptist Convention did a article in us in their magazine and was like, man, look what's happening <laughs> in Spokane. And then, um, <coughs> then you get all these phone calls, hey, help us, help us, we'd love to do what y'all are doing. And, and then um, we get an email that says, you know what? You were at $4,500, then you're at $2,500. Now you're going down to $800, um, and you have to live off that, then also um, start churches with that. Mm -hmm. um, so just, just pray for God to continually allow people to give. Um, yeah. You know? Um, yeah, and, and that's why I was going to say, that's a great lead-in. Um, we have these handouts at the doors. You may have already received one. If not, grab one. This is our faith missions offering budget for 2017. And right now, uh, we are supporting Zach, but every dollar that we support him with comes out of faith missions. This is not in our regular budget. This is over and above our budget. And so when you give, every dollar you give here, some of that money goes to Zach and the Rock Church. Some of it goes to Chris Sims up at the, up at, um, uh, the Way Church in Casper and and to help other church plants. But if you want to help these guys, let me encourage you, give to Faith Missions. Uh, when you give to Faith, it helps us help those guys. Uh, you just heard how Nam has cut from $4,500 down to $800 and said, good luck. We're praying for you. Mm. And literally, they're saying, trust God. Yeah. And uh, he's trusting, and we may be the very, very avenue through which God wants to work to help them Matter of fact, they've just acquired, they actually have acquired three buildings and no debt. Churches that are closing are calling them because they're seeing what God's doing at the Pinnacle Church and the Rock Church. And they're saying, man, we, we just got an older congregation. We, we're not reaching our, we don't look like our community anymore. Would you come up here and help us start reaching our community? And so they're about, Nine Mile Church was about 30, 45 minutes north of you guys yeah. on the river up there. And uh, they're about to go up there, and they've been meeting in a, in a little pizza, local pizza place and just kind of getting some interest and in, in doing some, some worship and some Bible study there. And in the meantime, they are in the process of remodeling an, an older church that needs to be updated some and needs to be brought up to speed and some new paint, you know, stuff that just needs to happen. And uh, they're, they're doing it. It'll be the third building that they have acquired, and it, God's provided it free. They don't owe a dime on any of those buildings. Now, they invest in the building, and they bring them up to speed and, you know, plug holes and repaint and all that stuff. Um, but when you give the faith, that helps us support what God's doing there and there. So I want to encourage you, grab one of these, look over. Uh, every dollar gets divided up between 
uh, right here in, in Wynn and in, in the state uh, through national, like these guys, and then international missions. And so I want to encourage you to grab one of these, look it over. Matter of fact, we'll be voting on this next Sunday evening when we vote on our budget. And so I want to encourage you uh, that if you want to help these guys give the faith, uh, just mark on their faith, and then, um, and then we get the money to these guys uh, to help them and, and pay their bills and provide clothes for their kids and help feed help feed hungry kids yeah well and feed people like austin yeah (laughs) who Uh, came for free hot dogs and found jesus Uh, and so be thinking about that how you can help them by giving through faith any last words you want to say to us and i want to pray for you and then we'll enter in time of invitation um i just want to say thank you um win baptist for all that you've done for me and my family Um, not only us, but for the kingdom. There have been so many people that have been impacted. um, And it's it's not, we're talking about, sometimes, you know, preachers, they exaggerate on numbers. Who knew that? Yeah, right. Little. We got 800 people here right now, pastorally speaking, right? Um, Yeah, that's what it's going to look like tomorrow on the numbers, yeah. So, anyway, we're talking about real numbers. You know, when we say 41 people gave their life to Christ, um, man, um, you're doing so much. And there's just so many of us that go, but then some stay so that they can give and and everything. Um, So, thank you all for that. Um, And, man, even even last year, y'all... Um, or this year, I can't remember, came up on a mission trip. Yep, this summer, yeah. And um, Will brought, he brought some sweet corn <laughs> in his bag, you yeah. know. Yeah, but that's right. That's, he brought sweet corn on the plane, yeah, man. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> man, just y'all coming up on, on mission trips is, yep. is huge. So be praying about that and also yep. what God would have you to do. Yeah, thanks, man. Well, let me pray for you. Would you join me in praying for Zach and Nicole and the Rock Church? God, we lift our brother up to you right now and pray that, God, your hand of blessing, your hand of favor, your hand of protection, your right hand of leadership would be upon he and the leadership, upon uh, he and Nicole and their marriage, upon the Rock Church, Lord, uh, as they continue to seek to lead out, to reach Spokane for the kingdom of God. May you be blessed, God. Man, I am so blessed this morning for Zach. Lord, I know it's a lot of work. I know, but God, you have given him uh, endless energy to do what you've called him to do. Continue to bless him, Lord. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.